Blog Talk Radio. Tonight is a very special tipping point uh, where we talk about and honor the life of uh, Jimmy Rave. Um, We have his closest friends and um, people that worked with him tonight. I'm Stephen Platinum, and I'm joined by Larry Goodman and a very special uh, co-host tonight, Todd Sexton. How are you guys doing tonight? As good as you can expect, considering the circumstances. Yeah. 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 And for damn sure. you for playing that song on the intro. Could have used a heads up that that was going to happen. Um, I, yeah, Larry, you know, um, one of my five billion side hustles is um, to watch these horrific talent shows, right? The Voice, <laughs> um, America's Got Talent, and all this other stuff um, to help out a guy with his YouTube channel, which is, of course, infinitely more successful than mine. It's monetized, and, you know, people just eat that crap up. But I, I swear, not one of these competition shows goes by where someone does not do House of the Rising Sun, <laughs> and that song is always Jimmy Rave's song and has been oh, yeah. for more than a decade. Um, it's yeah. really remarkable. Um, so, Todd, please uh, take, us into, take us into tonight a little bit. Well, you know, we got guys calling in, and, and you're going to get some different um, takes on Jimmy in a way. Um, uh, we'll have uh, Kyle Matthews and Chip Day, guys that were mentored by Jimmy, ended up becoming his peers. Um, and guys that have obviously turned out very, very good. And a lot of that is due to Jimmy, which I'm sure they will address. Uh, also, Sal, who um, has a, um, you know, not the mentor relationship, because Sal, me, and Jimmy um, all came up together and have a different relationship as far as Jimmy being not just a peer, but friends. You know, I mean, you know, out of the ring friends at each other's weddings level friends. Um, family, friends, you know, I mean, my family knew Jimmy and, and Sal and vice versa. And, um, you know, I, you guys, it's fucked up, guys. I mean, I've, I've done this show so many times, but my hands are sweaty now. I'm fucking nervous and you feel like I'm getting ready to go to the ring, honestly. And it's that kind of intensity here doing this because it's, 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 was expected, but it still is a surprise and not prepared for it. So you'll have to excuse me if I drone on a ton. Totally understandable. I think, you know, 
Um, it should be noted that a number of people were asked, Larry, as Larry tends to do, does the, the best job with these kind of things. And, um, you know, there's people that haven't really felt comfortable to speak up, either to write a thing or to talk about it. And that is not only completely understandable, it is totally acceptable. Um, you know, whether it's murder, whether it's uh, uh, Bill Barron's, that kind of thing. So we really appreciate you doing this, Todd. And, of course, everybody that's going to come on and talk about Jimmy, we're going to do our best to honor him and be truthful and to also give people who might not really have known Jimmy Rave or just known him through a story or two a, kind of like a more uh, rounded sort of take on him. Um, Larry, what are you hoping kind of uh, – gets revealed tonight or that gets talked about with Jimmy Rave? Well, he was such a multifaceted guy and so talented, and I hope we can touch on those various things and uh, do him proud as far as remembering all of his contributions to wrestling and, um, you know, what a good guy he was in a lot of ways, as, as screwed up as things got for him. And that is the case. Um, you know, I mean, and it's one thing, and I, I was talking to somebody. I can't remember because I've talked to so many people in the last couple of days. I took the day off of work to try to deal, and I'm more exhausted today than I was yesterday. Um, he would have loved the attention he's getting. My <laughs> son, when I got him, when I got my son from the bus, he said, hey, Jimmy was, Jimmy was uh, tracking on Google, trending on Google, excuse me. And, you know, you know, he pulled it up and goes, look. And, you know, I just like, you know, he would have loved the attention. He loved the outpour. I mean, he he loved to help, but he also – he loved to be appreciated for his help. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's, it's awesome that, you know, seeing, you know – and, and just to backtrack a little bit, just and, and so I can say this publicly because I haven't really um, – yesterday – uh, morning, I found out about things. Only me and a very small handful of people knew, and we had to wait till a statement was released to, just, you know, to tell anybody. And that wasn't until so that was about eight o'clock. Um, just getting to work too, and I work with adults with disabilities where you have to keep your emotions in check because it affects them. So that was um, made yesterday even more difficult. And but it was weird because. Um, it wasn't until it went public at three. It's like it became real. It was out yeah. there, and then it was like, you know, it. You know, my phone started. I mean, I could tell what it happened because my phone started blowing up um, when Bill posted the statement, and you know, and it's just been in the the support. I mean, that the they do. You know, I've been in contact with this. His um, ex-wife uh, Felicia, who uh, and with his fiance Gabby, and um, who I both told about we were doing this tonight. So I'm going to send the links when this gets posted tomorrow because they wanted to hear it. Um, also, need to mention, and I want to mention this now just so I don't forget, is that there will be a a public memorial in the in, in the near future. Obviously, they need to get things settled and figure out what's what and stuff, but it will be here in Georgia. And uh, obviously we'll have those details, and you know I'll do my best to spread them as will Bill and as will everybody else once we get them. So there will be uh, – we will have that. So I wanted to get that out beforehand and stuff. But um, it's, it's – you know, I've known Jimmy probably – the only people that have probably known him longer around the business now is probably Murder and JJ. 
I, I go back to doing Ring Crew and trying to break in on the Don Lewis shows. Oh, geez. If Larry remembers. Yeah, there it is. There's the reaction I was looking for, Larry. Um, <laughs> and, and Steve may not be familiar with Don, but Burt Prentice will look at Don and go, God damn, this guy's a carny. <laughs> That's how bad he was. <laughs> and, you know, trying to get in the business and stuff. Murder was trying to show us a few things before shows, but the ring never got put up in time. And then I chose to uh, – I got accepted in an opening for the Shawn Michaels School in San Antonio and went, went off there. And uh, when I came back, started at – you know, we knew the Wild Side Friday nights, and me and Jimmy just bonded. It was that core group uh, of, like, Murder, uh, Corey, Rain Man. Jimmy, myself, Tony, and Sal, on the Lost Boys, and and when Sal gets on, we'll we'll address more of those stories of Club Eight B, which was the name of our apartment in Sandy Springs, where everybody from the Briscoes on down made appearances through some crazy nights of power bombed in bushes <laughs> and rats and stuff. So, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, me and Jimmy were best men at each other's weddings. Our, our first weddings and stuff. So I mean, mm. you know, and we, you know, and what you said in your uh, in in your video, Steve, about him helping. You know, he helped me. You know, I, I'd go with him places. He get help get me books. He always he always was helping people, um, and he did always want to be a mentor, and he, he he loved teaching guys and stuff. And um, you know, when I when I got I took when I left the uh, the dumpster fire that was uh, why we wrestle. Um, and I was still dealing with grief for my brother, Brent, at that point, too. Um, yeah. And we took time off, and then Charles contacted me about coming into Southern Fried. And I came down there to – it was when Charles was experimenting with um, Marquee. That was what he called Marquee shows where he'd bring in you know the top talent in the area as opposed to the talent right. he was using at the time. And, and I was told very clear by everybody, this is not a typical Southern Fried show. Um, but it's the first time I'd seen Jimmy in a bit. I mean, we've been in contact, but it's the first time I'd seen him, you know, and, and it, we have that relationship where, you, you know, you have those friends, you don't see them in a little bit, but it's like, you've never left. You can jump, you can step right in and it's nothing's changed. And it was great to re- to reconnect with him. And then I was told that Jimmy would be a fixture of Southern Fry because of the deal he worked out with Charles. And I was like, Oh crap. I just gave this promotion credibility here. And got to book Jimmy as uh, my main heel and stuff until everything kind of went sideways uh, because of his issues and stuff. But yeah. and that was, you know, and that was, you know, you talk about booking talent and stuff. I mean, I'm not just booking a piece of talent. I'm booking a guy who's my best friend and watching him struggle with addictions. And it, uh, you know, it was like if I knew he was. Um, if he was booked for me, it was like, I know I can keep him safe here. You know what I mean? It was like, I have, yeah. I have an eye on it, at least for here, at least for these few hours. I can make sure that he's, he's all right. Um, so that became, you know, kind of the deal there. And then, um, you know, there was one show where he, I found out later he was not the best mindset. And, you know, we have to talk, as you do, and then you think things have changed. He's acting well at the shows, never another example. And then when he's not at shows, it's a different story. And then dot, 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 you know, the the angel and the devil, as you said. 
Um, we've got our we've got a caller here, and you know, as we pull this together rather rapidly, I didn't get phone numbers, so I'm not really sure who this is. But for, before I bring him on, uh, uh, J- Jeff G. Bailey sends his condolences, regards. He was going to call in, and he but he's sick today, so he's not going to be calling in. But um, he and I. Um, shared some tears on the phone last night and I said to Steve, you know, that's not something I thought I'd be doing with Jeff G. Bailey in this lifetime. But No, so Jeff you just get tears of blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's see who we got here. We'll find out soon enough. All right. Welcome to the tipping point. Who is it? Hello. Who do we have here? Somebody there? I don't think anybody's Hello. there. Sorry about that. He's there, but he's not talking, whoever it is. Mm. Um. Oops. Well, Sorry about that. Yeah, anyway, I know uh, I know I know Bill talked with Jeff uh this morning as well. So and um you know, like Steve said, uh about putting reactions out there. I don't know what to say. I mean I'm talking with you guys and I'm kinda rambling because I don't know. Um I just put up that one picture today because I don't know what to um, you know, say, and then to see the reaction to the picture makes me feel good. I've had a lot of guys call and check on me, which I appreciate, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm more concerned about his kids and stuff and everything. And, um, yeah, and I, was, and I, I was, uh, I was most surprised. I think with the, the range of people, what, I mean, I'm hearing Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer talk about him. I'm hearing, you know, like, you know, Brandon and Casey Kirk, like the first couple of the deathmatch world, like Casey wrote this whole thing. And apparently Jimmy had been mentoring Brandon, like, and, you know, mentoring Casey, like watching every match and sending them stuff. And like I said, I mean, there's, there's wrestling people and there's not really wrestling people. And Jimmy was a dyed in the wool woven into his DNA wrestling person. And he just couldn't be apart from it and he couldn't be away from it. And that, and now it's sort of coming out just how widespread his influence was and all the rest of it. So that part has been really kind of gratifying. Like, I, I mean, what people want is to be part of something bigger and uh, Jimmy Ray most definitely was that. He was part of something bigger, and the circles just keep getting wider and wider and encompassing more and more people that he influenced. And influence that part has been really wonderful. Yeah, it is. But, it, but to add to that, it also creates the frustration that I have and the anger that I have that this motherfucker should have been in a major company helping people. He should have performed on a major level. Um, which he did to a certain extent, but not to where he, 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 with his talent, deserved. And as a coach, as a guy with the, with the wrestling mind he had, you know, especially with um, the companies that are growing, like NWA is trying to grow, a, um, AEW, and, um, you know, he should have a job backstage somewhere. Or he, would have been, or he could have been a coach down at, in Orlando or something. I just, you know, I feel like if he would have kept stuff together, he would be an extremely valuable person for a major company somewhere making lots of money. Well, you know, one of the things he talked about a number of times was once he got involved in the recovery movement and, you know, he, of course, ran a 
Peer Wellness Center here in Georgia and was actually um, a rising star within the state mental health system at one point. He he talked of hopefully, and I remember this was definitely true of impact, of maybe he could get on there as a coach but also as a mentor to guys who were having difficulties with substances. Yes, and, he you did. Know, and that is true. He, he he talked with uh he had uh, some meetings with DDP about adding to adding to their uh, recovery stuff. Was that you? Yeah. Sorry about that. Y'all are there? I think it was my yeah, phone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he did. He did. He did make inroads for that, and I was hoping that that was going to be. I was like, here, here, you know, I was like, this is it. This is, you know, because you want to see your friends do good. You want to see them have that point. And then um, I thought that was going to be it for him. You know, and I always think about that year he had in 2015 when he was wrestler of the year, won the SCI, and just was like on top of his game again. It was just, uh, you know, just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, I always have very fond memories of that year for Jimmy. Yes, as do I, because I was, um, you know, talking to him a bunch on the phone. We were, you know, he'd have a, I think uh mentioned the um, the, the hour match he had with um, uh, Tyson Dean. Yeah, Olaf. Tyson Dean. And yeah. Yeah, we, we talked a lot that day running through the match and some ideas. And when he was doing Rampage, you know, I, I you know, and I took this is when I took time away from booking for a while from Anarchy, um, and um, we, you know, we we would talk. He tossed pitch ideas to me and stuff. So I was always in communication on that uh, with him on that and stuff. And then, and, and just another thing that is so bizarre about this week is that, you know, Southern Fried this Saturday is called Disapproved. You know, and then Friday night, the second Rampage show, which of course was Jimmy's baby. So it's so bizarre that this week, two shows are you know, but he's very well established with it, you know, titled it, disapproved, and you know, and we we're gonna honor him that night. But I mean, it's just funny that then Rampage, which just came back and did a show, and now doing another show, and it, you know, they're both running this week. It's just, it's still so bizarre to me the coincidence on the irony on it. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think we we might have lost Steve. We got some. Oh, okay. We'll Steve. Let me see. I think we so, might have lost. No, him. I'm here. I'm just talking to the oh, fucking moron oh, okay. show that I help with. Sorry. <laughs> with this fucking dipshit. Um. So. Um. Yeah. I. You know. I heard everything he said. Sorry. I get mad, as we know. Um, so, you know, I talked to Ace today, who was a, you know, a guy who had a very tumultuous relationship with, with Jimmy, of course, through the SCI. And I consider that one of the, the high points of Jimmy's pro wrestling life, that year where he won the SCI and, you know, everything was coming up roses. And so Ace was really talking through that stuff. And, you know, it's a, a really emotional time for Ace as well. Shout out to him because I'm sure he's listening. And, uh, you know, his wife just had a baby. He's literally stepped out of, like, her room to talk to me on the phone. I mean, so it's just 
you know, this thing has kind of dropped in the middle of your guys' lives. I mean, I'm not going to say that I was as close with Jimmy as anybody else. Um, that's definitely not true. Um, that video for me was really cathartic in the sense that, I, you know, I, I could see the people that were close to him having this really hard time. And I thought, well, the one thing that I do have is the ability to just sort of like lay it out there. And then maybe people will feel more comfortable talking about a certain aspect of Jimmy Rave. Because God knows he was super complicated. I think that's one thing anybody can agree on is just, you know, such a complicated life. Uh, such a difficult life at times, but also one that was filled with a lot of ching and love and also triumphs. Uh, I mean, he made it to the dance, right? I mean, he was in TNA when that was a viable place to work, really. And that was really amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he made it up there. And, um, and by the way, congratulations to Ace. Um, but... um. You know, he, you know, he made it a lot of places. I, mean, I know one thing he was very proud of was uh, the feud with CM Punk and Ring of Honor and them getting to headline uh, in Chicago in the cage match. And um, to do something like that, I know he was very proud of. And then doing the run in TNA, and then, you know, he got to do a couple of WWE spots, one against Chris Masters, and, you know, and go ahead. Guys, I think we've got uh, Kyle Matthews uh, in the Yay. green room here. Let, let's see if it's him. Let's hope. <laughs> is this Kyle? This is Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Hello. Great, man. <laughs> yeah, I've just been listening. Good, good, good stuff. Um, Kyle, I'm going well, to jump. Yeah, please. Go, Todd. Uh, I was going to say, you know, Kyle, you, you and Jimmy have a long history. And, um, I, you know, and, and I, it's really fresh in my brain because when Jimmy told me the angle to do with you down at Rampage, so I always remember it because we had long conversations about it, about doing the, the turn and stuff. But, I mean, I want you to, you know, some of your memories of doing that angle with Jimmy, which really, I think if you look back, seemed to really jumpstart you as a force to be reckoned on the scene and to be taken seriously. Because you have a, you know, a lot of people didn't take you seriously, despite how good you were, is your size was always, people would see that first. And I know in discussions I've had with people when I was booking to use you in a better position, people would bring up your size. And this was back, you know, back then before the series with Jimmy. But I think that, that shows that you can get past that, in my opinion. But I, I just wanted to hear about what's your memories of that run with Jimmy there in Rampage, because it really did. It's almost like a legendary run at this point. Yeah, I think it took me from just being a guy on on shows, you know, having good matches, to be able to be like a top guy, right? Like he he reached down. Yeah. I think there's a famous abyss abyss quote about being on the top of the mountain, right, and and pulling people up. And that's exactly what he did for me, right? So he was clearly the, the the better wrestler and always was, right? But he reached down and pulled me up, so then I could reach down and, and pull others up after that feud, right? So I think he, without that, I don't know that I'm ever, as an established star in Georgia, 
without that. I think I'm just, you know, just a guy having good matches on shows, if that makes sense. Yes. Steve, did you have a question? Um, yeah, I, you know, I saw I saw your Instagram video, um, Kyle, and I thought it was really wonderful. And, you know, we were talking about how, like, Ace has kind of gone through a lot of life changes in the course of, you know, the last few years. And obviously Jimmy Rave did as well. I, I'm, I'm interested because, you know, you're currently having this sort of rebirth run, right, with Southern Honor mm-hmm. and other places. Um, what does it feel like doing those Rampage shows? Because I know they continue to do shows under the sort of Rampage banner. Because um, so many of your big moments were there. Uh, can maybe walk us through um, the whole, like, Brian Danielson thing. Like, how did – like, what was going through Jimmy's mind? What was going through your mind? Like, when he kind of pulled that whole thing together, um, and it really was that amazing lightning in a bottle time. Like, what did that tell you about Jimmy? Like, you just you know, if you just want to briefly walk us through that time, because I just thought that was he, just such an amazing thing. Yeah, I, I remember when he got released, and I was talking to Jimmy pretty much daily at that point because he had been, you know, helping me a whole lot then. And uh, I remember he got released, and I texted Jimmy, you know, as a joke, because you never think it's going to happen, right? Like, oh, we should do me and Brian, which is not a match that even makes sense, right, at the time. Um, So, you know, maybe a couple weeks go by, and he's like, oh, we got Brian. And I was like, I just thought it was a rib, of course. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, he kind of he kind of laid out the 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 match right like how it would make sense that all four of us are in the match to start with and and coming out of the match it's going to be me and Brian at the end and then coming out of the match it's going to make me such a bigger star to do the turn that that uh, Todd was was talking about it was just like booking brilliance and and um, I'm sure you guys have talked about that Jimmy was just so smart at at little things right like. And he he was so good at being a heel in a time when heels are kind of scared to get heat and scared to get toilet paper thrown at them. Like he was so good at making everybody mad. It was amazing. Um, Kyle, what was your favorite uh, match with Jimmy? I know you're getting ready to post to like a posting with your favorites, but what? Yeah, yeah. I, do you want to wait because you're going to do your number one, or can you tell us? Which, no, uh, no. Which one? I, I'll tell you what it is. I don't. I don't know that it even exists on tape, unfortunately. But um, so there was a loop that um, Adam Pierce was coming to do when he was NWA champion. I had wrestled him before yeah. in um, in Warner Robins, but there was a second loop he was coming to do, and I was going to wrestle him for Woody at the um, Empire Building. And something happened, and Pierce had to cancel. So we ended up, like, switching the card around, and it was me and Jimmy uh, at, at the Empire Building. And I think it was maybe 2013, 20, 2012, something around there. And I just remember we had, like, a 45-minute, like, we were like, all right, we got to make up for Pierce not being on the show. So it was just, like, every, like, at that point we had greatest hits, right? But we did all the greatest hits like times 50 in, in that in that match. And I just remember being super good. And unfortunately, I don't think it exists anywhere on tape. Mm. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. But 
Uh, I was going to tell you guys a quick story. The first time I ever met Jimmy, um, uh, some friends of ours uh, and some friends of mine, uh, Tyler Smith being one of them. There's a blast from the past for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we uh, we drove to Ring of Honor in 2005 in Dayton, Ohio, because that's as close as it ran then. Yep. And uh, it was 2005. And it was, um, the show was called Redemption. The main event was a four-way for the title with Joe, Punk, uh, Gibson, and Daniels, I think. But we were all, we were standing outside so early because we were such Ring of Honor nerds, you know, because we had to get right in front of the hard cam so people could see us on the tape, right? Like, because duh. Um, Hey, just to date it, just to date it, you said tape, not DVD. Yeah, on tape, yeah. Not YouTube. Video cassette, you had to order that shit. <laughs> yeah, like six months later. But yeah. you know, you had to get across from the hard cam and the bleachers so people could see that you were there, like anybody was looking for us. But you know, in our brains, it was a genius plan. Let's wait outside for three hours for that. <laughs> anyway, um, so we're all waiting outside, and you know, you would see people like come around every once in a while. I remember Homicide and Loki came out selling T-shirts, so we bought some T-shirts. And then all of a sudden, uh, here comes Jimmy through the through like the walkway, and. Uh, we're like, oh, there's Jimmy. So we, like, go up and start talking to him and open the door for him, you know, to let him in. And we expect him to be like, oh, thanks, guys. Nope. He just walks in and shuts the door right in our face, doesn't ever say a word to us. It was genius. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it was genius. And I remember asking him about it years later, and he was like, well, yeah, what else was I supposed to do? I was like, you I wasn't going to talk to you. And I was like, yes, of course. That makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need more of that. <laughs> yeah, it was it made total sense. Yes. So, uh, Kyle, I'm going to I'm going to put you in a very uncomfortable spot here. So, okay. as a guy who um I mean, your mentors include Ted Allen and Jimmy mm-hmm. Ray. Um mm-hmm. you know, I was I, I recently I I watch uh, classic quote-unquote movies with my kids to sort of introduce them. <laughs> and the latest classic was a Starship Troopers. And I, I always think, you know, nice. the scene where, yes. And so, you know, the guys that go through the boot camp eventually, bec- you know, kind of get in charge. And one of them turns to the other and goes, we're the old men now, Ace. Where they're like, even though we feel like young guys, now we're the guys who are giving the speech and all that stuff. At what point, Kyle, um, do you think you're going to serve? I mean, because it's probably already happening, but I would imagine that eventually you'll be sort of a great player coach like Jimmy Rave was. And one, when do you think that will happen, um, if ever? (laughs) And two, what's something that you've learned from Jimmy Rave that you, you would be sure to pass on in kind of a mentor capacity? Ooh, um, I, I think it's slowly happening now. I think I do a little bit of it at Southern Honor. Um, like if you look at the guys that Chip and I have been wrestling, they're they're usually you know much younger on the wrestling scale than we are. Um, our age might be similar, but you know they they haven't been wrestling as as long as us. So I think I think we we're kind of already doing that. But um, thing I would pass on. Um, I think the stru- the way that Jimmy would structure matches, um, if you look before I started wrestling Jimmy a lot and then after I started wrestling Jimmy, the, the way he structured matches and the way I structure matches now, 
are pretty much identical. So the way he would structure a match is definitely something I would uh, pass on to someone that was, you know, I was mentoring. Uh, he yeah. was just so good at all the all the little things, right? Like to to be a heel but still like do cool moves that they do in 2021, right? Like he could he could still throw in that little like the ST on the apron, right? Like that move when he first started doing it was like that was like a death move, right? Like nobody should have got up from that in 2010, right? Like Absolutely. that was a move that nobody yes. did. So, but like he wouldn't just do it, right? Like he would be like, all right, we're going to trade some stuff on the apron and then I'm going to spit in your face. Like instead of just ducking and hitting the move, he'd be like, let me spit in your face. And that would, that what's more dickish than spitting in somebody's face. Right. <laughs> so, um, it, it and real quick. Hey, he would do. yeah. Real quick. Ahead, what Don. you said, and this is one to explain the psychology you spit in your face, right? You're pissed off. You're not yep. thinking. You throw the arm, mm-hmm. and then Jimmy can grab it and throw you down. So, once again, yep. the little psychology of it, he didn't out-wrestle you. He got in your head, which allowed him to take advantage of it. Once again, you know. Exactly. Beautiful stuff. Being, doing, an, doing an awesome move, right, that was like a death move at the time. Now everybody does apron bumps. So, it, I mean, but still, he yeah. added that little bit, that one little thing that made it, Start, you know, from like a just a move to like a really heelish move that was still an awesome move, act, obviously. So that's definitely something I, I would pass on. That was a lot of insight hey, uh, there. I apologize for that. <laughs> it's okay. We've got uh, someone else here ready to come on and join us. I believe this would be Chip Day. Let's see. Hey, Your what's partner. going on, y'all? Yes, hey. yes. Southern Honor Tag Champions, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Technical, Technical excellence. excellence in the house. <laughs> and just for the record, I pushed for the name Technical Ecstasy so many times. <laughs> and it was always Kabosh, but that was the name I kept pushing for you guys. And now it would be That's even hilarious. more appropriate. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> How it's are better you than anything we had because we didn't we didn't come up with anything. <laughs> Chip, um, what's you know I asked Kyle this, but it certainly would apply to you as well. Um, I mean, yeah, we're the we're the old men now, Ace, and <laughs> um, um, what's something that Jimmy has taught you that you're sure to pass on when you're working with these well, younger guys, um, or at least guys who have not been doing it nearly as long as you and Kyle and Jimmy had. Um, take your time and don't be so, don't, don't be so eager to rush into things. Like, um, the match we just had at Southern Honor, we literally Matt wrestled for like 10 minutes. Uh, just because I I didn't feel like it, it needed to go into into the hot shit yet, so um, it, we had time to play with. So why not, right? Take our time, because um, we're the ones telling the story. We're the ones in charge, not not anybody else, not the crowd. So like, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely something that um that uh I would I would try to pass on and um yeah. 
He was just so good with match. Like, again, I guess this probably falls under the same category, but, like, match pacing, like, he was just so awesome with it, man. Like, if I could if I could get in his brain and get the exact way that he would pace any kind of match, like, that's what I would, that's what I would want to pass on. Hey, Chip, what do you recall about early years with knowing Jimmy? What stands out? Uh, I met Jimmy in White, Georgia at the city gym. Oh, damn. For, um, yeah, so I, I don't, I can't remember if it was when, when Danny Dees had, had the building or if it was when Lee Thomas was running it for a short little bit of time. There was like an in-between period. Or, or, oh man, was it when Big Huff was running? Anyway, it was in White, Georgia, and I was like, I was like, 11, maybe about, maybe 12 years old. I was going to um, say 12, but. Yeah, it had to be 12. Had to be, because it was like 2000. So, yeah, yeah, I was 12. And, um, man, this dude came walking up, and he had, like, a backwards baseball cap on, and, like, he had long, longish hair under it, and, like, he was just the coolest dude ever. He was wearing jeans and a T-shirt, and he was, like, he was the coolest dude ever to me, man, and I think I was just instantly hooked because I was like, "That's, that's what I want to be." So like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out with this guy, um, and then like I saw him wrestle, and he was kind of like, like I was, I was a big Hardy Mark, right, and still kind of am, still really am. Uh, so, uh, I just thought Jimmy was the coolest dude ever because he was, he was kind of like the Hardys, but way cooler, and he wrestled more, and he's, like, more, like, of a, like, a Matt wrestler dude, right, because, like, that's, that's what, that's Jimmy, that's what Jimmy's known for, he's the best wrestler in the world, but, um, I just thought he was so cool, man, so, like, I, I instantly just wanted to attach myself to him then, and, uh, for my first match, uh, I, I, he was my manager, um, and, I thought that was the coolest thing because he, he didn't have to, he went out of his way to like try to help me. And that night I wore some stupid shit. I wore like some green pants and like a chrome top. It was 2000 times were weird. Um, and then the next week, uh, I wrestled again and he was my manager again, but he brought me like a matching, like a matching t-shirt for like, like he had, and uh yeah man from that day i think i was just like yeah i'm a i'm gonna sit i'm gonna sit under this dude and like just just try to like learn as much as i can and be around him as much as i possibly can uh he definitely became more than a friend jimmy was always like uh like my big brother so yeah <laughs> yeah So Chip, what was yes, uh, I asked Kyle this? I asked uh, Kyle this question earlier. Uh, Chip, what was your favorite match with Jimmy? I think it was probably the one uh, that we had the masquerade for the finals of the To Be a Man tournament for AWE um, in a losing effort. 
it was uh it was one of those things where we both had two two matches. Yeah, we both had two matches before the finals and peeling back the curtain, we were squabbling uh, excuse me amongst each other uh because because we didn't have uh we didn't have a finish and like we were just like going back and forth and pitching ideas and one I pitched was um I go for the Lamahi Straw cradle, he holds on and just sinks it in and like holds the brakes and, and sinks the cradle in and I get pinned, right? And I don't he fought me on it and like pitched something else. And they were like, okay, well, you guys got to go. And they were, we were like, okay, well, I guess we'll just figure it out out there. And so, like, we're just going, and uh, I go for the Lamahi straw, and I go to roll him up, and he puts the brakes on, and all I could think of in my head was, you son of a bitch. And, like, there <laughs> one, two, three, and there it was. <laughs> and we get to the bridge. We get to the back, and I go, oh, I guess you like the Lamahi Stroll thing. And he goes, ah, it worked right there, and, and, and they loved it. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, thanks. But, yeah, man, that one was really fun. It was also a challenge because uh, I'd screwed my knee up, like, a month, a month or two earlier, and I was kind of hobbling around for a little bit, and that was the first night I came back and felt, like, good. Uh in my first match, I did, like, uh, like sliding where the guy's just seated on the ground, and, like, I just came off the ropes with, like, sliding double knees. And as soon as I, as soon as I hit the mat, I felt, like, this burning in my knee. So I was like, awesome. I know what I've got to do at the end of the night, and this is happening. So uh, it was a challenge. And then uh, I, I guess I took him using my idea for the finish as approval of uh, – you know, I, I guess I kind of know what I'm talking about sometimes now. Kind of. Yeah, it may, uh, a little bit. Don't don't tell me that too much. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chip, and this is for Chip and Kyle, really. Like, I, I think you guys have a lot in common um, with Jimmy Rave in the sense that. Um, and I mean, even like Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer were a little taken aback because they were doing the math. And then they figured out that Jimmy basically got trained and started wrestling at an incredibly early age, you know, pre-18 mm-hmm. for sure. And that applies to Chip and I think Kyle as well. I mean, what, what's the mm-hmm. – now, I feel like that that isn't as commonplace anymore. And there's probably people who would even – think badly about that but there's no doubt that you guys really benefited from that like early start I mean I, I was a, I was old man by the standards of the time when I started um, wh- what perspective do you think you guys have um, and how did how did you avoid I mean we haven't said it it's the elephant in the room but I'll say it like Jimmy obviously had like a really rough time with things right Um, When I was talking with Ace on the phone, he was like, you know, I think the drug thing with Jimmy started before wrestling, honestly. Um, You know, just that was just his opinion that he thought that. But you guys have managed to, I mean, I got to just say it, as geeky as this will sound, you're like upstanding guys, you know. You guys, you've managed to sort of avoid his demons. Um, Why is that? 
I mean, how did you guys manage to avoid what he clearly couldn't? Is it because he was in a different, a slightly different era of wrestling than you guys, or what do you attribute that to, having known Jimmy and obviously yourselves? You want me to go first? I go wanna... first, Chip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. ahead, man. Uh, that's what I was going to say. It, it, I think it was just a different time, right? Like, my first match was 2002. So, I think, like, WCW had closed. Like, TNA was just starting. Like, I think we saw, like, how the previous generations had fallen into that trap, right? And, and of course, it still happens. But I, I think the, the biggest number of people that fell into that trap were before us, right? And and kind of the, the people that were in our generation – we, you know, they, they make fun of people for going back and playing, like, uh, Nintendo and stuff. But, like, that was yeah. us, right? Like, me and Chip and Bobby and, and Hawkins and Caleb Conley and um, Sal even. Um, you know, that was Posey, Corey Hollis. That that was kind of like our crew, right? Like, if you look back at, at Georgia Indie Wrestling, like, we kind of were all, like, we would kind of all be in the same place at one time, right? Like, that was, like, our crew. So we kind of were, like like-minded I think in that way of like you, you know we've seen what's happened before we see the direction that it's going right like as far as like more athletic wrestling compared to when we started like big guys wrestling um yeah so I think that's kind of how we avoided it and um what what do you think Chip? okay I was, I was gonna let you answer first um because uh I was I'm Oh, fuck it, right? I'm I'm 33 now. I might as well be an open book for everybody. Um, I I've never like I've never put out there that I was perfect or an angel or anything like that. Uh, I've I've fallen into pits of alcohol before, like back in the day. Don't really drink at all anymore. If I do, it's like celebratory, but like it's not it's not like drinking to get fucked up at a party so I can forget what's going on in my life anymore. Like I used to, when I was like, especially mm. 21. Um, uh, from the time I was 13, uh, I've, I've been a smoker. Uh, I don't smoke cigarettes. That's my, that's my famous, like, no, I don't smoke cigarettes. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, I'll, I'll use cannabis. Right. Um, I don't, but that's that's pretty much as far as I've let myself get, man. Like, okay, I've I've maybe experimented with like, oh, let me take this pill, let me see how it feels. But like, I've never, I've never come out of that like pill usage and been like, man, I I really want to take more of those on top of that and see how it feels, or I yeah. want to do this on a regular basis and see how it feels. Like that and like um, seeing so many of my heroes. And guys that I looked up to in wrestling uh, succumb to uh, that that path, man. Just like just like guys dying way too young, um, guys taking too much party and choking on their own vomit, and like it's just it's something that I didn't want my family to have to wake up and see. And I, 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 man, I don't know. It's just, I didn't want to be another story to be like, oh, like, don't be like this dude because of this. Like, I don't know. I, uh, it doesn't, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make me, well, it, it does it shouldn't make you love people any less, right? 
Um, right. But I just, I there's that stigma of, oh, this person has to medicate to make themselves feel better, or this person has to, like, they got to take something to take the pain away for a little bit so they can get some sleep. Yeah. Let's, let's jump on them and make them and then demonize it. Like it's, I just never wanted anything. Like if I had to self-medicate with anything else besides the cannabis that I do use and have used legally and illegally, uh, whatever. Um, I, I never wanted it to be demonized and used against me as something to make me seem like a bad person. And I think, right. and I think that's a conversation that a lot of people haven't had and aren't and still aren't having and that's I think that that's one of the reasons I, I kind of was able to help, like stay away from that you know yeah yeah I I think with um, Jimmy I mean and I know that drugs was part of it for him early in his career I don't know anything any details of when or how it started or anything like that but I do think that in Jimmy's case there was a there's a biological piece for him that didn't have anything to do with wrestling. Um, yeah. Um, I, was in his I, can, uh, I, I can speak on that without adding, going into details, too many details. Yeah. Um, I don't know what extent Kyle and Chip know. Um, his upbringing was incredibly hard with a, yeah. uh, it, it was a, it was an upbringing that does invite those vices in to cope. Yeah. Um, he, um, when I knew him, well, when I knew him, I'm just thinking, you know, because there's so many different periods where I knew him. Early on, you know, we were, we partied, and it was for fun. And then he got away from it. But honestly, if I had to pinpoint an area where I think the spiral got out of control, the first time was when he was working for TNA, and he was taking the um, – Border toss from Hernandez every night on the road when they first started running house shows, and because that, that's the finish they wanted, so he wanted to give it to them. And I think that is when um, things started to become a problem, if memory serves me correctly, um, and from the conversations we had and stuff. So yeah. it, you know, I mean, and then and then. He got it got bad, and then he got better and got great, and then fell off the tracks. And it's you know, and we all we all and every you know, I mean, I'm sure Kyle's had the conversation. I'm sure Chips had the conversation, and maybe you haven't because he was the big brother. So it's hard to put your big brother on that spot. Um, <laughs> because in a way, I was his big brother because I was a few years older, and I, I was kind of the adult in the room. Uh, with our crew, um, even though I'm, you know, pretty much a functioning alcoholic, for lack of a better term. But, um, <laughs> it, but you know, it was, it's, it's hard to see that happen. And, and you, you, you have the conversation, you think you're making progress. But then, as and me and Larry have had this conversation, behind, you know, to, to be perfectly honest, you can only help somebody as much as they want to be helped, and then it's up to them. Yeah. And it's a, a extremely frustrating and nerve-wracking, and there's probably no other wrestler that I've had more tears shed than the individual we're talking about right now. Yeah, I, I think sure. part of Jimmy's sure. thing, too, is the things that made him such a 
stellar wrestling person, right? So smart, so charming. The ability to talk, you know, a crowd into things. The ability to sort of tell a story were the things when you saw those sort of gifts used in a manipulative way. I think I, I, I'm, I'm glad that the pervasive thing that I see about Jimmy Rave is not talking about how he, you know, to try to score and stuff, he manipulated people, which did happen. But clearly he wasn't in his right mind when that took place. I, I mean, I think that needs to be made abundantly clear. It's clear that he was a guy who was sick and in a lot of pain. Um, but it still couldn't dull the brilliance. That's what I thought was so amazing. I mean, even when Larry and I were talking to him on that podcast, and he's clearly fucking zonked out of his mind at the beginning. And, you know, I'm sure Larry was thinking, like, God, what is this going to be? But then as it goes on, you could see, you know, like you could see the light coming through. Um, and it's, you know, of course it's, it's, it's a tragedy that he died and it's a tragedy that he died the way that he did. But, um, I mean, that light shone through and I think it shines through people like Chip and Kyle. I think, you know, the more you hear about his influence and the things he accomplished, I mean, it seems like a minor thing, but it's award season. And I just go like, he won Booker of the Year and Wrestler of the Year within, like, two years of each other. Like, that's, like, kind of – it's mind-blowing. It's, it's, yeah. It'll never be done again. It will never be done again. And uh, just such a unique guy with just such – everything was outsized. When he did something great, it was super great. When he helped you get into a Fed, it was unbelievable. And then when, you know, something was spectacularly, like, crash and burn – there was that too. Um, that's what I, I mean, he lived this outsized, bigger than life kind of life most of the time, you know, it's amazing. Well, it's, you know, it's, 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 how do you, I've known the guy for over 20 years. I, I don't let the last two years dictate my feelings from, from the previous 18 or 19 years, you know, mm. And you know it, it's something, and, and it's and it is hard to to come to grips with seeing you know seeing the people say what they've said, and then but a lot of those people didn't deal with the fucking gut wrench we dealt with when you tried to help him. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I remember it was this time last year was the his arm amputated, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I you know and it, and I'm having all sorts of flashbacks from that because. Had numerous conversations with him oh, every day, um, and uh, but I remember Adrian contact you know me Adrian talking and he's like because when it, when Jimmy left Georgia we just shot the angle where Adrian took over the approved which was supposed to uh, go to Shindig for the heavyweight title as Adrian is champion against Jimmy Ray. Obviously you know he left the state had his issue had the stuff he had to deal with. And but Adrian told me, and this, you know this is three years later. He goes, it just now hit him that he'll never get to have that match. He was still always hopeful that mm-hmm. he could still make it happen. And he realized, yeah. you know, having that that big match with Jimmy that he didn't have, and he was still hopeful that one day that that would happen. And it shows you the influence. Despite you know, and Adrian's somebody who saw Jimmy at his worst and at his best, but he still looked up to him to where he was hopeful to have that match based on that angle we, we shot for where he took over the approved. 
Um, and it shows that guys still, you know, cared about him regardless of his problems, respected him regardless of his problems, and still, you know, wanted to see him do well. Yeah, I think I think we can all agree uh, he forever changed Georgia wrestling for the better, right? Like, his influence will be around for years and years and years and years and years. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. For the, for the better, you know? I agree. I think, yeah, like, think... You, you... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, just like, you know, for, for like, Chip and I's generation, like, the generation kind of after you, Todd, like, he was the mold, like, you can get out, right? Like, you can get out and be, be like, on Ring of Honor. You can, you can get out and be on, you know, like, all, all these great shows, TNA, like, Tour of the World. Like, he, he, was the, he was the, like, the blueprint, right? Like, this is what you have to do to get out. Like, and he showed us that that was possible. And then, and then after, you know, leaving and getting this great superstar, and he came back to give all of his knowledge to, to us, right? Like, that's – I don't know that that's, that's like, invaluable. Well, hey, listen, that's I think the right Steve, thing to do. pointed out to it yeah. was the one thing we haven't brought up really is the work ethic. You just said he came back. Yeah. He got – you know, he, he, he had a fall. But when he was on every show he was on, he gave it his all. You know, I mean, he may have a, a you know, a, a Ring of Honor booking or a Japan booking, but that weekend he's booked in Cornelia, he, he's going to go give it his all or down in Monroe, or wherever. He is going to go out there and work his ass off, do the best he can for the match, uh, help the other guy, make him look better. Because, honestly, it didn't matter who you were. As, as long as you talked to him, he was going to give you advice. He was going to invest in you and, and stuff. So, And that, that is a great person to have around. Yeah, he, he had that burning desire. I remember before he went to Japan – the first time, just burning desire to get there. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, here, well, here's a here's a bad, you know um, when I got married the first time, um, he uh, you know he's my best man, and for my bachelor party he couldn't make it. Uh, he was going to make it, but then they booked him with uh, it was Ring of Honor uh, booking, and they booked him with CM Punk. The first time he got to work Punk. So I told him, like, you better fucking not be at my fucking party and go fucking wrestle CM Punk, you know, because it was a big opportunity for him. And it was, you know, little things like that, you know, that are coming back to me now as we talk and stuff. And it's it's nice to remember the good times. He uh, he had just gotten back from, uh, I think I think it was from his first. Japan tour uh, when he went to Dragon Gate and I got to wrestle him in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee and uh, I won't get into specifics but I was I was really young and stupid at the time um, and I learned a big lesson that night about professionalism and um, so I, I, I feel like uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, again, he liked to have fun but it's he also instilled in me no one to have fun and no one to turn it on. Uh, so I, yeah. I was there for that. I can attest that this was a true story. Two point nine, bro. Two point nine. 
Like another fun story is uh, we did, um, I want to say, and I posted, I sent the picture to Bill. I didn't post this one. It's a picture I, I only have, I have very few wrestling pictures up in my house. One was the picture I posted with me, Sal, Jimmy, and Mama Luke. Another one was from the uh, Anarchy 10-year anniversary show where we did a six-man, which was also the, uh, Brent's last match. And we're all on top of Posey and stuff. And we're putting the match together outside and set. And some, uh, I can't, who else is it? Was it Seth and, I can't remember, we're, we're calling spots. And me and Jimmy were like, shut up, we're trying to figure out how many 69 spots we can get in this match. Because we were just doing <laughs> the, the comedy gaga. We were shutting them down for trying to actually wrestle. And we were like, no, how many more comedy, how many more 69 spots and gay spots can we put in this <laughs> match? Y'all stop <laughs> On a personal note, this has been, you know, I, I hopefully for Chip and Kyle, it's been good for you guys, which is why, you know, I reached out for us to do it because I know everything is still very raw. And, yeah. you know, it, it's a good opportunity for, you know, us, not only the three of us, but Larry, who's known Jimmy for as long as we have too. And, you know, but Steve, maybe not as much, but he's still – you know, he's still in the family, so to speak, wrestling. So uh, to talk about this with people, you know, it's hard to talk about this stuff in general. It's hard to talk about the relationship you have with the the guys in the business, with regulars, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But to have this, you know, opportunity to talk about, you know, this, I, you know, for me it feels good. Like I said, my palms were sweating when we started because I didn't know if I could fucking make it through this, um, you know, yeah, and um, I – I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing being in a locker room with all wrestling guys on Friday, right? Like, I think that's, I think we can, the, the three of us, me, uh, and even uh, Steve too, we know that that's like the the safe, happy place, right? Like when you can get everybody together and and kind of work it out together, you know, share, share the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Make, yeah. It's yeah. the happy place, place, man. But I know as soon as I see you on Friday, Kyle, I'm probably going to like bust out crying, man. <laughs> Yeah, me too. That's okay. Bro, I've been, like, I, I'm, oh, it, it ain't no secret Chip Dave's an emo son of a bitch, right? So, like, I'm, <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I've I've been crying for the last, like, two days, yeah. just straight nonstop. And it's, yeah. I think anybody that knew Jimmy enough and, and was around Jimmy enough was, has probably been doing the same thing. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, together we, we tell stories and we laugh about them and, well, you don't miss him together and honor him that way, you know, but, uh, God, I miss that guy, man. I love him. For sure. <sighs> I'm actually thankful that I have a show this weekend. So it gives me something to focus yeah. on. And, I, like I mentioned to, you know, Larry and Steve, um, I've, uh, you know, redone my show to honor him this weekend because, I mean, it's, you know, I'm glad I have something so close to it just because, I mean, when, when my brother passed, when Brent passed, I, the next Anarchy show, I'm, you know, and I was not, wasn't wrestling at the time. I worked Sal because that's the only way I know how to 
you know, express it or just get it out of my way to get it out of my system to deal with the grief. Mm-hmm. And because grief's a hell of a thing, and nobody realizes it until they have it. You know, it fucks with you on so many levels. And it's the only way, you know, if I'm doing this for him, then I'm doing something. You know? Yeah. But I want to thank Larry for allowing us to do this. Um, obviously, oh, yeah, like, you. I don't know how much time we got, but Sal may not have made it. But um, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking um, for, um, yeah, I, I don't see Sal in, on the line here. He never got back to me and told me if he'd be able to. He said he was planning on he'd let me know what time, but, you know, and Sal's an emotional, I mean, the undercover emotional guy. Chip's emo as fuck, but Sal, um, <laughs> you know, Sal, Sal, you know, I, I, I was wondering if he'd even want to do it, just knowing how Sal is. And he was yeah, as right. close, if not closer, than anybody. Um, so, I mean, the fact that we got to do this, and that's why I reached out to you guys, cause I know what Jimmy meant to you guys. And, you know, it's, it's been great. And like I said, I, I appreciate Larry letting us do this. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if we're wrapping up or not, but I just want to get that out there that I appreciate, you know, us being able to do this. I'm glad you guys wanted to. And, and th- thank you, Todd, yeah, for man. initiating, get, reaching out to me to see let's see if we can pull something together. Well, it's deserved. I mean, we, you've heard nothing but the effect he had on Georgia Wrestling, like Steve said, the outreach of what he did, and it's been outside of Georgia, but just in Georgia, sure. I mean, it needed to be done. It needed to be, you know, the the effect he had on people needs to be out there. The good outweighs the bad, and the bad was fucking horrible. It really was. I mean, and let's not sugarcoat it. I, you know, I fucking dealt with it. I don't know how how much you two were into it, but I know you were in contact with him. Um, but the, you mm-hmm. know, the bad is horrible. But the previous, you know, we can't let that overtake what happened prior to that. Yeah, I, th- I think we've all we all know good Jimmy and bad Jimmy, right? Like he would he would show yeah. up sometimes not not in a good state, and but when when he was on, I don't know that there was anyone any better ever. Like when he was on, it was it was amazing. So true. With that, let me let me say this real quick, just because. We've talked about the favorite matches. I've wrestled uh, – Kyle's wrestled in more than me. I am probably in the top five of the early years because we wrestled fucking everywhere and did, like, at the, you know, wrestled so much. But my favorite Jimmy match, actually, is where I made him and Chad Parham wrestle for a whole television episode at uh, Anarchy. So they made a 45-minute yeah. <laughs> couple an hour TV time because I wanted to recreate Flair and Wyndham, and I knew Jimmy could do it. Because I brought Jimmy wasn't working regularly, he was all over the place at that point. But I brought him in specifically to work Chad and for them to do a, a whole episode of TV of just that one match. And uh, what that's year something was this? I'm very proud of. Um, it, it was before I started, was so it had to be like '06. It had to be like '06. Yeah, we need that yeah. online. I need to find that. Yeah. It, it I don't had know, to be like '05 or '06, Todd. Yeah, it's probably that. Those years blend together from when I – Xander was born in 06. 06. It was 06. Yeah. Because okay. that's, that's when I got off the road and started booking was 06 because Xander was born. So, yeah, that was uh, – that's one of my proudest booking moments 
is doing that match and be able to do a whole episode of just Chad versus Jimmy. And we saw the, the, the disco song full effect for those first 20 minutes. <laughs> hey, we got another uh, got another caller here. Got to run in. There he is. I think this is Dylan Hales. Is this? Uh, oh, Dylan Hales. Yes, right. yes, it is. Yes, it is. You're letting anybody in here, I guess. Uh, I guess so. No. Thanks for calling. Uh, uh, this low, low standard, Larry. No, I, I, I wanted to call up, uh, and I messaged you yesterday before I even knew you were, were doing the show. Um, I wanted to call up just because, uh, obviously, I, I, I didn't know Jimmy nearly as long as a lot of people in and around Georgia wrestling did. I really didn't get to know him until maybe late 2014. Um, and the way, you know, you could talk about his influence in a variety of ways, uh, I think, that are fair, that date back really 20 years. But what, what, I, what I think it would be easy to sort of undersell and not notice, particularly if you are somebody who has been in the Georgia wrestling scene for a long time, is his influence, I think, that came out of the mid-2010s and really what it meant to Southeastern independent professional wrestling uh, and, and beyond. Um, I mean, as somebody who works for IWTV and uh, has has really tried to build up the southeastern scene as much as possible within that paradigm, I can say without any hyperbole at all that it literally does not happen if Jimmy does not go on the run that he went on in the middle of the 2010s uh, in AWE, but also in, in other places. Um, I think... His work, the work he put in, the effort he put in, and what he did to sort of create a universe where um, things were happening in Georgia on small independent shows that were getting national-level buzz and interest. And people wanted to see them far beyond just the scope of what happened in the states of Georgia or Alabama or sort of the surrounding area. And uh, he, to me, was the central figure in that. You know, there were other people who I think were significant during that time period. Um, Anthony Henry, who I can't help but think of when I think of Jimmy at the same time, would be one of them. But I don't think anybody was quite as significant as Jimmy was in that. Uh, And I can tell you, and I mean this quite seriously, that I don't think the Scenic City Invitational, Action Wrestling, Southern Underground Pro, all of which I've had various degrees of involvement with over the last five years. I don't think any of those shows happen at all. I don't think they really even exist in any form, but certainly not in their current form, if Jimmy Rave does not, is not the sort of standard bearer for the Southeast in the, in the mid-2010s. I, I think that that is a piece of his legacy that is um, probably underappreciated by some people. Uh, and I don't want that to be underappreciated. I, I think that there's a level of historical significance. I said this on, on social media yesterday, but the the AJ match from Pro South, Pro South from Pro South building that you know Al Getz released through Wu Wrestling in I think May of 2015. I was there. A lot of people that would go on to become more involved in independent wrestling were in the building that day, and that to me is probably one of the most influential professional wrestling matches on the independents of the last decade. Uh, in the sense that it's kind of like the old uh, the old joke about the Velvet Underground that they didn't sell a ton of records, but everybody who saw them went on to form a band. I think that's kind of what that match in that moment meant 
to a lot of uh, people in and around the periphery of independent wrestling um, in the Southeast in the mid 2010s, you know, like, Oh, our stuff can actually be watched and paid attention to by people outside of this bubble. People can recognize that what we're doing down here is, is at the level or better of what's going on in other places. I, I think that that match was extremely influential in that regard. And, you know, as I was sort of reflecting on my own relationship with Jimmy uh, and, and, you know, what he meant uh, to, to wrestling since I've been more heavily involved, I, I just kept coming back to that. So I'm sorry to totally filibuster here, but to me, this is, this is like a very, very important piece of his legacy that I, I, that I don't want to be slept on. Thank you. Very well said. So anyway, we were at a club, right? And Jimmy's supplying stuff. (laughs) And security guards tackle Rayman. (laughs) And we get kicked out of the club. A couple of weeks later, the Briscoe brothers powerbombed uh, Tony in a bush with Jimmy egging it on. <laughs> that was at our apartment. <laughs> so Jimmy's had a lot of influence. So who's going to say something? I talked I talk too damn long when I got online anyway. So <laughs> That was very well said. Thank you for saying that because, yeah, it, it's, it's great to hear the influence he had and that run he had at that point where he really was uh, reaching his peak as far as an in-ring performer. And um, it, which, you know, it would have been – better if it was on a more national scale where he would have had uh, made more money and stuff. But it's, it's, it's great to hear, you know, I don't think we've ever had a conversation Dylan, uh, or ever met, but it's, it's cool to hear that, you know, his influence has affected other people that, you know, like I said, I really don't know. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think, uh, it's 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 interesting because there's so many layers to it, you know. I mean, his career, I think, um, was one that uh, kind of spanned multiple multiple eras of, eras of independent wrestling, but also multiple spaces in which the independent wrestling universe operates in. And uh, I, I I don't know, like he. I mean, I was on record at the time in 2015 and 2016 saying that I didn't think it was a better wrestler. Uh, on the independence, really, maybe anywhere, and uh, I stand by that. Uh, I, I thought he was his, he was the standard, not just in the southeast, but but really, uh, really anywhere. And um, in in seeing sort of the outpouring over the last twenty four hours, maybe thirty six hours, it's it, it's clear to me that his influence was was all over the place and uh, very broad. And uh, I don't know, I don't know. I got I got to. I, I got to know him during that time period. Uh, we weren't close for a long time at all. You know, we, we, we talked 
fairly regularly. Uh, he was uh, for a, a little while in there around 2015, 2016. Um, and uh, he, I think was, it was clear to me immediately that he was smarter than almost anybody I knew <laughs> when it came to basically every aspect of professional wrestling. And uh, I, I think that that was pretty clear to anybody that ever, ever worked with him. Awkward silence now. Yeah. Larry, let's ask you a question. Yeah. You there? Okay, well, I mean, yeah. you're, you're somebody who has seen Jimmy's entire career from beginning to end. Can you give True. me three of your favorite moments of Jimmy's career? Of ma- it better be matches, angles, whatever, that, you, that stand out in your mind. Um, first thing is seeing him the first time at NWA Wildside. Against and Caprice? Got, just, yeah, this guy's scrawny, but man, yep. Bird he's got, he's got something. He's really got something. There's something special here. Um, I'll never forget. The, S, the first SCI tournament, what he did in that tournament, the matches he had, incredible, incredible. Um, God, his run at Booker at Rampage. I mean, the whole thing Kyle talked about with pulling together the Danielson match, and um, he did some great work there. Some great work. And then also his his yep. run as the A, AEW champion and what that meant to uh, uh, excuse me to AWE and what that meant to AWE to to have him there him him wrestling there's another one him wrestling Drew Galloway in front of a hundred people in Canton yes I got that yes I remember that I, I got the he sent me a picture of his chest. And Galloway got there like right before match time, or Jimmy got somebody got there right before match, so they didn't have a chance to really call anything. So it was a big chop fest, and McIntyre can throw some chops. And Jimmy sent me a picture right after the match of his chest, and it was brutal. But that's a good call. Yeah, yeah. Think about that, Jimmy and Drew McIntyre in front of a hundred people in Canton. In Canton, you know. Yeah, it's just those, and those it's on YouTube for you, free. It is. I saw it today. Go. <laughs> I think we've all gone down the rabbit hole a little bit on Jimmy's YouTube presence. <laughs> and um, yeah, I saw that one on there today. Speaking of chops, I think my chest is permanently chopped from all of our, or permanently uh, scarred from all of our chop battles. Yeah. We went through that stage when we were wrestling because uh, we we me and Jimmy got tapes from all Japan, so mm-hmm. we wanted to be tough like Kawada <laughs> Masawa, right? So we mm-hmm. just chopped the shit out of each other and like we're fucking tough guys, you know. We're like twenty one, he's nineteen, <laughs> and we're just like, yeah, we're fucking 
tough. And then it got to the point where a few weeks later we're like, all right, this match, no chops. Because we... <laughs> and then we you start throwing the hit elbows and trying to knock each other out. And, you know, right. throwing the Masawa elbows at each other because they're like, well, this is what they do in Japan, and those matches rule, so our matches must rule for beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> you, you, just got the, you just got the sumo hall matches. You didn't get the little house show, the, the small, the farm town house show matches. Huh? You skipped no, we, we saw the big show matches, so <laughs> we thought everything had to be, you know, we had to lay it in. Right. <laughs> We're young. It'll heal. It's awesome. it's no problem. Right. Uh, Chip and I went through that phase too. It's okay. I think everyone does. Yeah. Oh, we all do. We all do. Then we get smart. You know, we can make this look good and not right. kill each other. <laughs> when am I gonna get smart, Todd? It's gonna take. We're, we're almost there. Yeah, we're almost. We're right on the line, man. We're right on the line. Well, well, one th- one thing that's actually funny and sort of notable on that is uh, during that whole AWE run and, and when like the, the peak period in the mid 2010s where he was on fire, uh, you know, like two of Jimmy's regular high spots that were like, and I hesitate to call them high spots, but they were effectively were because the way he, how he structured his matches were like a punch to the nose and a snapmare into a stomp. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, yep. and, and the and the crowd response for those would be the same as if you know somebody had done like a shooting star to the floor, and it, it was it was always so amazing to me because these are allegedly the smartest fans that want to see the craziest stuff, and they would absolutely lose their mind for the most basic things, and I think that shows what a mastery was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In ring psychology was a gift that he had he was a nat honestly when you look up natural and i don't mean a natural like a like aj um um was as an athlete a, a natural as far as selling bumping working i mean uh, he was a natural when it came to all those things he, he really was and um you know especially back in the day selling my god he was a he was another ricky morton when uh, Blair was talking about seeing him, he had that hair. He could sell. He was so pretty, you know, with yeah. his silver pants and stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, it was, it was, you know, <laughs> silver pants. Yes, yeah. Burt yes. Prentice had the to be like, pants. you know, Burt Prentice saw him. Oh, you know the silver pants. <laughs> <laughs> no silver pants been washed in my apartment many times back in the day. <laughs> Jesus. They get a certain smell after a while. They just looked really hot. Like, they just looked like it had to be, like, a billion degrees where. No, they weren't that bad because I had the pleather ones, too, the red that we had. Uh, Ken Tim's made them, actually. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Me and Tony had them, too. And uh, there, there's a good reference there for you. Um, and uh, they weren't that bad It was because uh, they, uh, they were roomy. So it wasn't like they stuck to you, man, if you walk uh, <laughs> If you if you had them in your bag and you got them out, it was like it was like getting off a leather couch in fucking the middle of August. It was like just peeling it off, and it's just like this is disgusting. Hey, we got another. Did you ever like watch the sweat drip from outside, like from the inside of your pants, like to the floor? Because my shorts had that problem for a really long time. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, but I think Larry disgusting. has another running coming. Yeah, oh boy. I think this is an, this this may be an Alabama caller. I have no idea about this number. We'll see. 
Oh, no. You're on tipping hey, point. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. It's me. Well, bye, you it's guys. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you go. wanted to do this, which is why I didn't reach out to you. I did not know uh, if you wanted really to do well this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really didn't think about calling until I just, you know, I've been, you know, probably like all of us, angry, sad, empty, over and over, and that's like all I can really keep feeling and thinking, and, you know, I just think this is probably the best way to cope about it and everything is just talking to everybody. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I know how you felt, which is why I didn't reach out. I didn't mention it to you, but yeah. I thought about it. By the way, there's, stunning, there's somebody in my house right now tearing up, hearing your voice, so... Um, and so I'm, I'm very, very happy that you called because I know you need this as well. So you have at it. You yeah. tell us about yeah. your, you getting with Jimmy. Uh, I think the first time I ever met him, well, first time I ever like even knew who he was, was at a TNA house show here in Birmingham or actually Leeds. And, uh, he was still doing the, uh, guitar hero gimmick. And I can't even remember who he wrestled. It's probably Hernandez, so he could take the border toss. Uh, but the first time I ever met him, it was me, Posey, him, and Kyle going up to Jersey uh, when we wrestled in like front of cool. uh, 100 empty chairs and two people in them. So, yeah. And uh, I think that, that was my first run-in with Jimmy and then shortly after is when the whole approved angle really started busting up. And I mean, that's where I really came into my own and got confidence and a lot of my early stuff. And I think too, you know, looking back and I was watching a lot of old Jimmy stuff today, a lot of the heel stuff that I did just, I guess, you know, subconsciously I did it, you know, and I did it because of things that he did and I just didn't know, Um, you know, especially of holding yourself at a higher standard, uh, in terms of living the character and living the gimmick and, you know, not letting everybody in and pulling a lot on them to see what you need them to see and want them to see and, you know, controlling, you know, controlling the audience and not letting the audience control you. Um, you know, and, you know, a couple, you know, even though me and Jimmy really haven't been close these past few years, you know, I really regret him regret on my side not responding to him when he told me congrats about the baby and everything and that you know that really stings and not that that was probably my last opportunity to really talk to him and never did and uh I you know I felt like I had a lot of to be ashamed about if that makes sense just because of you know the thing you know we all know what he was doing and the stories about who he was reaching out to and what he was doing and his you know his copy and paste and all that and uh was more ashamed rather than trying to be there for the guy and that really sucks yeah and we've had these conversations Corey, and you know and i don't know if you listened earlier with the the devil angel side and it's something really some of us have to cope with at this point because the last two years it's hard to blame the last two years over the previous years you spent with the person and, mm-hmm. and and I think we all are in a way, and we may have not expressed it or angry, because in a way this could have been avoided yeah. a while ago, 100%. you know. But it was decisions yeah. made, and it's, it, you know, I mean, but you know, 
and I'm glad you called in because I know you as much as anybody, along with Chip and Kyle, need, you know, need an opportunity to talk about this and yeah. voice it. And uh, you know, and, and I just keep and, I keep playing like New York in my head, you know, and the Ring of Honor stuff. And then when me and Kyle drove all the way up to Pennsylvania, and he was just passed out the whole time. And you know, like more bizarre things happened on that trip. I don't know if we need to talk about it, but like it's just, it's just. I don't want to let that negativity go over everything. And it and it's kind of sometimes hard, and it's you know like for all the people that in good faith gave him money, and and you know we don't know really exactly whatever happened to all that, but at the core of who he was as a human being, he was a really good man, and he loved this business, and he wanted the business to grow, and he wanted the future of wrestling to be better, and I hope out of this bittersweet tragedy that can happen. You know, um, I really do. Well, you know, Corey, you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and uh, like, I mean, I'll just, I'll just say it. You know, I mean, he 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 definitely uh, got to my old man asking about money, which if anybody knows my old man and I know Chip and Corey do, it's not surprising that that happened. But uh, I, and he reached out to me several times, and there was there was like a year long period where, like, me and Jimmy talked a whole lot. I was never terribly close with him but there but to me he's like i can't imagine what i would be i probably wouldn't be doing anything in wrestling if it wasn't for jimmy because it was really jimmy Corey, you especially know this it was jimmy and ace that vouched for me before anybody else there was there there was nobody i was just some fan that like had opinions that like who's this idiot and um they they were the first two guys that conferred any credibility to anything i was trying to do and um, regardless of anything that came after that, and there were certainly times where it's hard not to be negative and be pissed off. I'm sure all of us are. I I can't – I owe him for that forever, you know? I mean, yeah. I, like, he did not have to do that at all. In fact, yeah. most people in his position would not have done that. And um, it's not necessarily that he stuck his neck out to, like, an absurd degree on my behalf, but he stuck his neck out, period. And, um, and he didn't have to. And like, I, I think there's a lot of people with stories like that. You know, there's a lot of guys on the independent scene that, that range from people who've been in for 20 years to people who've been in for two years that have stories like this. Um, people like as broad as somebody like Brandon Kirk, who I saw tweeting about him earlier on social media and the sort of relationship they've cultivated over the last few years on down to, you know, somebody like Jaden Newman, who's obviously a Chattanooga guy that I'm close with. So it's a, it's a pretty broad spectrum of people that he's had an influence on. And while I think we all have our stories that we're rightfully angry about to one degree or another, I, you know, I, addi- addiction took him. And, I mean, that's an honest way to say yeah. it. And I lost a brother to addiction. So that's very serious to me. Like, that's not a joke. Uh, and I don't say that cavalierly. But – it doesn't mean that I don't believe he was a good hearted person who, who um, was great for, for me in a lot of ways and great for wrestling in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like I said, at the core, you know, he loved this business and he loved the people in it. Um, you know, I just, you know, I just really hope he's at peace now. That's, that's, that's the one word I can really keep thinking about as well is peace and that he's finally, finally found it. 
and you know and I really hope it's a story that you know someone who's going through whatever they might be going through right now in life can learn from and you know uh you know it, it's very fortunate we you know me Kyle Chip you know Posey we're very fortunate you know a bunch of other guys too to be under that learning tree and not be able to be you know followed in those kind of footsteps and and I think it's because we loved him so much and we cared for him so much that we we didn't want to get that and, and that reflect on him as well, if that makes any sense. I'm not sure if it does or not, you know. Um, but, yeah. It's, yeah I, 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 I remember a I match really with, with Jimmy and uh, – Corey, do you remember the match with Jimmy and Ace from the – I think it was at the Empire Building. And I think Where he got stomped on the head. Yeah, yeah, we had to have a big. I remember that. Come to, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, one. I just, I just hope he's at peace and uh, not hurting anymore. Now. Yeah, because he, because you know, he could have been a coach somewhere. He could have been a producer somewhere. He could have, you know, hell, could have even been a booker at, you know, somewhere big. He had all the tools for that. And he still had that mind for it, and it was just so flawless for him too, you know. So. All right, Corey. I've asked all the other guys, and they've been on here. What's your favorite match with Jimmy? Man, I didn't get to wrestle him that much. Maybe like two I didn't or three think times. so. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, didn't wrestle him. It was more of tags. It, it was more mm-hmm. tags. Just beating me up. That's all it ever was. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, those ten man tags that we did all the time at Rampage were a lot of fun. I mean, I think a lot of us came into our own, and you could mixture in a bunch of the guys with that. You know, whether it was, you know, guys like Drew and Marv and Anthony, or guys like Davey and and Dave, and you know, just a mixture of guys that you know could have been replaced. And you know, with us six in some form of Kyle, Jimmy, uh, me, Chip. Posey, Sal, even Patty. I mean, there was just tons and tons of matches that we had that were so good. Um, I think that – I think it was December 2010. Was that an elimination match? Do you all remember? I believe like, so, yeah. It was like December. It was like, a, it was like a 10-man elimination, and it was like the first one. And I just remember it was like – it was such a big feel about it. And uh, I just remember that just – and there was a lot of planning into it, and everything hit flawlessly. You know, nothing went went astray, and everything. And and the way that was structured, and everything else, it was. And when there was so many moving pieces that could have messed up, and there was a lot of times there were so many moving pieces that could have messed up, and they went perfect. And I think that's why guys like me, Chip, Kyle, and a few others hold ourselves at a higher standard about like taking our time and. And making sure everything, you know, hits right on the money and to where we wouldn't, you know. I mean, it was fast-paced because at the time, that was that when that Dragon Gate USA stuff was, like, really hot. And the yeah. Rampage rules or the Lucha rules was really hot. And and we were doing that kind of style. And there were so many moving pieces where everything could have got messed up. And, and everything just was perfect. And you really don't see that now. You know, you see guys try to do that but they don't really have leaders in those roles to help them, guide them with that. And luckily for us, we had Jimmy. Yeah, I remember whole episodes of TV. 
whole episodes of TV would be like a whole, a whole episode of TV would be like start with me and Jimmy, and then it would evolve into like a ten man tag. That would be that would be the yeah. whole episode of TV. Yeah. 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 Those are fun. And that's mm-hmm. yeah, and that's what me and Jimmy had in common is like we. And you said holding yourself to a higher standard, which I know you do, and I know Kyle does, <clears throat> and on down, Adrian Good. too, Good. and Bobby, Good. and it's Good. it's it's, you know we, you know we, me and Jimmy both when we've talked about me and Jimmy talked about this, we, you know instill that we expect you guys to be the the best, mm-hmm. and you know and, and you do it too, and the fact is you're. You could have a great match, but you'll come back there and be like, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. And, uh, you know, when, and we get that from Jimmy, you know, and because that's what we, that's what we strive to be, and we, we got that ingrained with us, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I really, you know, wish locker rooms had more of that, you know, um, guys that were – a lot of guys that people could go to that been places and have been everywhere and have learned from so many great things that we had, like in a Jimmy or a Sal or, or a Utah or, you know, people that, you know, actually, you know, learned and made money and actually did it right. And, you know, Jimmy was one of those guys that really put that, I feel like, into us of, you know, Treat it like a business first. Treat it like how it's supposed to be. You know, hold yourself at a higher standard. It's professional wrestling, you know. And, and yeah, we can do all the cool, crazy stuff. But also, at the same time, there's a reason why it goes in a certain place and why it it doesn't have to be every single time. And knowing your surroundings and being able to change things, you know. And, you know, that that's something that we probably all learn from Jimmy. Yep. How's the baby doing? She's good. She's asleep. I would hope She's so. Good. She's growing. So she's doing good. She's been my little snuggle bug all day today. She doesn't like Uncle Chip, though. Chip. Chip's gone, by the way. He messaged me and said he had to go, so Chip's not here. So your insult now just sounds mean because Chip's not here to take it. That's okay. That's fine. She yeah, I know for you, that's too. fine. Yeah, that's fine. So, so yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, and I know – Go ahead. I know from you – yeah, I know for you, Corey, because we've had these conversations ad nauseum about yeah. the issues with Jim. So like over a year, you know, it's a couple of years. It's been over years an understatement. You know, I mean, so I know the frustrations there, but at the same time, is you know, you, you you remember the good times, and it's hard to, you know, especially since the bad times are more recent. It takes some adjusting. And hey, Sophie, um, it takes some adjusting to when something like this happens to take it all in. It can be overwhelming. You know, I mean, because, you know, you think about all the good times, but then you're mad about the bad times that recently happened, and the bad times what led to his death, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it's something we're all dealing with, and like I said, it's, it's awesome that you called in because, you know, we all need to deal with this one way or another. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 
And I mean, I'm sorry to be the Debbie Downer of it all, but I mean, it's, you know, I just feel like I had to get that off my chest. And, you know, and it's just, uh, I love the guy. And wherever he is right now, I really hope he's at peace. And, you know, he's looking down and he's, he knows that everybody that he influenced, he influenced in a good way at the end of the day, and and he mattered. Yeah, well, like I said earlier, he would love the attention. Yeah. You know, he'd be yeah. getting off at all the – yeah, he would really love the all this attention and all this being put over. <laughs> Larry, you, Steve, you all still there? Steve had to go to work. I figured. Yeah, and Chip, Chip has left us as well. So it's all yeah. on you now, Larry. Well, I guess we'll bring this thing to a close. Thanks to everybody. Uh, thank yeah. you for and giving us a platform. Yeah, I'm going to say thank you too because this is somebody I've known for 20 years and have been through a lot of good and bad shit. Like I said, we were at each other's best man's at each other's first wedding. And um, I'm glad, Larry, that you supported me when I suggested this to you. Um, yeah, I think it's been good for me. I feel good. I think it was good for Chip. Uh, Kyle, how do you feel about it? I feel very good. Um, like I said, I, kn- I know Friday will be emotional for sure, but uh, mm-hmm. it was good to, to just talk to, like you said, people that are in wrestling. People that are outside of wrestling, it's they don't understand. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's too hard to talk to people that don't know, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's Corey, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm Corey, I'm glad you called in. Like I said, I thought about that. I mean, you don't have a, you know, Kyle's got the show Friday. Rampage show. I got the disapproved show Saturday. I have the, we have these outlets. You're out right now, so I'm glad yeah. you called to be a part of this because I know you need this, as we mm-hmm. all do. And it, we're not to make it about ourselves. We're still dealing with it, um, you know. And that's the thing about death. They leave, and we got to deal with it. And yeah. it can be frustrating, and you almost get mad at the person for being selfish in a way, because it's like they're gone. And they're done with it, but we got to deal with the, you know, our emotions on it. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad you called, Corey, and I'm and glad Calcutt came in. I'm glad Steve called. Thank you, Dylan. We've never spoken. I appreciate all the stuff you said. And I think it's been great. It's what, what we need and what Jimmy needs, honestly. Yep. Well, again, thanks to Dylan Hales. Corey Hollis, Chip Day, Kyle Matthews, Steve Platinum, and most of all, Todd Sexton for pulling this together. Um, It's been a remembrance for Jimmy Rafe. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back some point, maybe next week, on The Tipping Point. Have a good night, guys.
Hello, Discover Card here to explain our cashback match. We